Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Here we are, South by Southwest. I'm very excited right now because Ornella Hernandez, a journalist, writer, reporter, PR specialist, Multimedia expert, <laughs> blockchain, lifestyle, NFTs, Cointelegraph. I love that intro. <laughs> um, yes, I love it. But I'm more excited because here we are from Grid Daily House in South by, South by Southwest, Austin, Texas. It's been dreary, rainy, windy all day. But as soon as Ornella walked here, the sun came out. The sun is shining. She brought the Florida sunshine with us, or with her to us. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. I love your background, um, your experience. I'm going to just touch on a topic, topic that we are interested in hearing about, which is the trends in blockchain, the trends in cryptocurrency and NFTs, and how all of this ties together. Uh, it's being impactful. It's changing the way people integrate, communicate, build businesses. And so as you tell us a story about these developments, First, start off with your journey to becoming this, this excellent storyteller, media person, professional, and, um, and star <laughs> for Cointelegraph. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Sure, sure. So I'll start back in high school, actually, where I was on the speech team. So I used to compete in original oratory, writing speeches and competing in tournaments, um, presenting my, those memorized speeches. And that's where my love for writing really started. So it was a combination of love, a passion for writing and storytelling and speaking to audiences that led me to study journalism at the University of Northwestern, Medill. And then I studied broadcast journalism, actually. So at that time, I had envisioned being a, a reporter on TV, uh, you know, giving daily news. Um, after graduation, though, I didn't go into that right away. I decided to learned some other skills. So I worked um, in PR at a health tech firm. I took a coding boot camp. I did a master's in management. So I wanted to just gain like as many skills as I possibly could in my head. That was my way of being prepared for any career. Um, and then I actually ended up in PR for a while, for a couple of years in Miami. Um, but then once the pandemic hit, I realized that I didn't really see myself doing that for much longer. So I knew that journalism was calling me back. And I decided to choose a beat and that was crypto. So I just went to as many networking events as I could. This was uh, at the start of last summer. So right when the Bitcoin conference took place in Miami. And I realized that a lot of my friends from university who had had traditional finance backgrounds now ended up in the blockchain world. And they invited me to to these events and parties. And, and that's where I met the right people that led me to Cointelegraph. Um, and now I focus on covering mostly NFTs and any DeFi related topics and just general uh, blockchain and crypto news. 
So I've got to say, uh, Ornella, it's you, you make it sound so simple, uh, <laughs> but I know it's not. Journalism, media is a difficult, difficult uh, path to go down. You know, I, yes, yes, you're a superstar. You look great. Media, people come to you all the time. But then writing something that people want to read is what is challenging. Yeah. Right? Because everybody's trying to write the same thing and get their voice out there. How do you then make a difference? What is your sauce, your secret sauce, in writing compelling, attractive, and, and, and sticky content? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, yeah, the art of storytelling is... is uh, you have to, to learn it, hone it, practice it. Um, it's not an easy thing. And I think I've just learned a lot from past editors and, and from, you know, my, my training and being on the job. Um, I think a good story, you know, a typical narrative arc starts with uh, a problem and a difficulty that needs to be overcome and then a solution that's brought in or a hero and then a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> we meet, we talk. We find out what the problems are. We solve it, mm -hmm. and then we move on. Right. And so, if you think of a of an article, it's not that different, actually. Um, I take some headline, and then I, I say, "Okay, um, this is how things are right now." For example, Hollywood works like this, but blockchain can change the way that IP is is bought and developed in Hollywood. Then I give some examples of people who are doing that. Um, add some quotes in, you know, and that, for example, is how I structure things. Let's talk about that topic. Uh, blockchain is a buzzword that is relevant today. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe five or six years ago when we said blockchain, people were like, what the hell is that? You can do anything that you can do on blockchain with any technology that exists today. Mm -hmm. That was five years ago. Today, we, there is no one talking about any other technology except blockchain. As you've gone down this path of investigating this infrastructure, as it were today, what is your prognosis or what do you see happening within the next two years as people embrace a blockchain more and more? Sure. So if we're talking about buzzwords, I think another big one that really became almost like a, a household term and even was the one of the most Googled terms last year in 2021 was NFTs, so non-fungible tokens. And that um, is what I, I, I write a lot about. And I just think of it as, you know, a technology that can, like you said, affect any industry um, and change the way that people work and play. Um, and yeah, it's a technology that's here to stay for sure. So in the next two years, I think um, the idea of virtual worlds and metaverses and gaming are, are, are going to become big just because, because of the pandemic and pe where people, you know, you had to be home more and you had to, or you just ended up on your computer more or, or watching TV more. We, we got more used to being um, virtual, remote work, all sure. that. So I think that's why now people are okay with the idea of congregating in a metaverse. Um, even though that's been around for a long time, you know, Minecraft or, or Sims, for example, 
Um, but it's just taking off a lot more. People are, are noticing more. And I think the next big thing that will uh, impulse that, that move is actually going to be VR and AR technology. So within the next couple of years, I think we're going to see more developments in those areas. Um, and then down the line, maybe like five, seven years is when maybe the metaverse will become a more um, established technology. So if we look at AR, VR, and I've done some work in there, and we started looking at that technology, maybe in 2013, 2012, 2015, that tried to take off, failed, mm-hmm. didn't get off the ground. Uh, you mentioned that metaverse actually conceptually has existed right. prior to the word metaverse being used more and more and since 2020, 2021. So what do you think led to this convergence uh, of the word actually metaverse being more acceptable mm-hmm. and then Facebook obviously changing to meta, right. which was strange as it were. Um, and then AR, VR, how do you see these uh, things being adopted and changing how we live? So like you said, it has a lot to do with big tech companies um, leading this uh terminology. So when Facebook changed its name to Meta, I think that put um, terms like the metaverse on people's radars. And um, not only, you know, Facebook, but Microsoft also um, has gotten into um, the VR wearables and and Google. So I think people look to to giants like that um, to to start maybe researching and investigating all these, these different fields. Um, and then, like I said before, the pandemic also, I think people just were spending more time just online and researching. And, and I think that led to, to speeding up of, of all this technology and people really being in the know and wanting to know more. Uh, that's, that's good to put that into perspective. So the other thing that you're very passionate about writing about is cryptocurrencies and NFTs. Uh, now, Cryptocurrencies have been talked about since Bitcoin way back in 2008. It's getting more popularity. Uh, NFTs have started to gain some popularity and we started seeing people understand what the acronym was maybe two, two, three years ago. Um, But NFTs are just not JPEGs. So oftentimes there's a lot of hype around NFTs, mm-hmm. uh, with your experience and, and uh, some interviews that you've done with creators of NFTs and distributors of NFTs, where do you see NFTs in the next maybe 18 to 24 months? So a lot of the projects that are announced daily, new collections, new drops, I believe 90% of those will probably fail. Um, 90%. 90. So yeah, a large, large majority. Um, and that's just because there's just so, everyone's trying to make everything non-fungible nowadays, yeah. which is not uh, feasible. Um, but the way that I like to think about an, an NFT is really like a receipt. It's just a record of ownership. And so it's not just JPEGs, like you said, it's also songs. Um, It's also mm, in-game weapons and armor. Um, And it has a lot of applications and and usage. And I think that could even extend to more um, like everyday 
documents, even like government documents, maybe like a, a deed for a house, right? That's just another record of ownership um, that might have some regulation implications, but that's, that's the concept, right? Um, so where do I see it in the next, the next year? I think there will be a lot of sports utility. So that means um, sports memorabilia, for example, trading cards. Um, there's a big collection. It's called NBA Top Shot, which um, it tokenizes, right? Moments or really amazing plays in the middle of a game into these trading cards. And then you can, you can trade it with your friends online, of course. So that's just a, a traditional um, ta- uh, sports right thing that's now being become non-fungible. And I think that's going to take off a lot as well, as well as like even tickets, um, tickets to the, to the Super Bowl or any other huge sporting events. Um, so I think that's, that's an area that we'll see a lot of new use cases for NFTs. So I appreciate that, but it was really funny. I was reading an article the other day that someone actually put a kiosk. So a physical kiosk in a store selling Sports NFTs. Um, I mean, when you start selling NFTs in a kiosk, either we're all in a very good business or a business that's trying to find traction. Yes. So you're right. It is just another way to make revenue. Totally. But I think in sports, there's actual value because people are going to buy things about their favorite artists. I mean, um, athletes. Um, but it's funny they bring that up because there's also a NFT ATM no way. in New York. Yes. They opened it up a few weeks ago. So I haven't gone to see it, but, um, it was, it was covered in, in Cointelegraph and yeah, it's just like a, like a, like a vending machine kind of yeah. for, for NFTs. One final question. I know we're getting to that time. One final question. Sure. The other passion that you write about is cryptocurrencies. Uh, There's a lot of stuff happening in cryptocurrencies, as we know. If you have a response to, uh, or perhaps an opinion on, Mm -hmm. the recent Biden announcement in terms of the the whole change in regulation or the, the consideration of looking at that regulation, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's overall a positive thing um, that cryptocurrencies is on the government's radar. Um, I know that the whole point of, of uh, cryptocurrency is decentralization. So it kind of goes against um, the, the principle. Yeah, central government, exactly. Um, but in order for concepts like, like technologies to really become mainstream and for more people to have access there will need to be some regulation. It's just, just how things work. There, there will all be, always be legal implications um, to this technology. And I think something that is uh, important to note is that it, there's still a small community, really, of people who, who use cryptocurrency every day to, to trade and, and to make their living, especially in communities like um, in Latin America or in Africa where people need it. And I think something that might deter um, new users is this access, is education. 
And so the more headlines we see in the news, I think the better, because that's going to put it on people's radars and, and they're going to want to investigate and want to open wallets and, and want to learn more about uh, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. Um, so overall, I think it, it can be good, but I'm also kind of anti too much regulation. <laughs> very good. So actually, you opened up a very good question. I know we're getting to that time, but I want to ask you this. What we have seen today in the last few weeks is more and more women want to learn more about how to get engaged with cryptocurrencies, what they should be looking for, NFTs in the blockchain. Um, currently, you know, that's being dominated by the, the male-dominated classes and not enough women know about this access. At Link2, we have a Link2Learn series where we open up access to educating uh, folks. And I was wondering whether this is something you'd like to educate women on or just people in general about what you see happening in cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and blockchain. That would be very valuable to us and yeah. around us. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, actually, since it is March is, is International Women's Month and March 8th was International um, Women's Day, I wrote a piece about uh, leaders in blockchain and women, and I got uh, a lot of comments from women about the barriers to entry that they experienced when first entering the space. And um, a lot of them, the most common answer was education, right? So maybe lack of training, lack of specialized skills, or lack of experience in tech. Um, other answers were confusion about the lingo and about these buzzwords that, that we spoke about earlier. Um, which can be confusing and, and also might deter people from even wanting to know more because you don't want to seem dumb, maybe, right? Um, and the fact that it, it, it does tend to be more male-dominated, a boys' club. Um, but the women that are in the space are very um, welcoming. And I think we, we want to be, this is what these women were telling me, that... Um, once they entered companies that had, had other role models or women, female role models, they, they felt more, um, you know, welcome and, and, and confident in their own abilities. So, yeah, I think there ha it has to do a lot with seeing already established role models and then believing that you can be like them as well. Um, and education is just is huge. So I would just recommend reading and, and, and learning and listening to, to videos and, and podcasts uh, on YouTube. That's actually how I started. Yes. I have to say, when I was starting to learn about uh, blockchain and crypto, I was watching YouTube videos and, and listening to podcasts. <laughs> well, it's been wonderful. Ornella Hernandez, journalist, writer, reporter, PR specialist, multimedia, blockchain, <laughs> lifestyle expert, talking to us about blockchain, NFTs, cryptocurrency, and she's agreed to lead a learning environment so that can, we can get rid of the buzzwords, break down the barriers, level the playing field so that we can all have a knowledge to make the correct decisions moving forward. Uh, this is Karim at Link2 where we are creating an environment to deprivatize access to pre-IPO unicorn companies. Uh, look us up at link2.com. But before we go, what would you like to, for your last words, Ornella, to be to the audience that's listening today? If you want to get into blockchain, networking is the key.
you have to meet people, get out there, go to meetups. Go out there, learn, meet people, shake hands. Don't be afraid to learn. That's the advice from Onerla. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Karim. Appreciate it. Don't leave us too soon because we want the sunshine. <laughs> no, I'll stay a few more days. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com.